0: have a couple of people joining us online as well. Um, My name is Kathy Colway. I'm on the Emerging Generations team. I'm kind of the coordinator for Faith and Family Wednesday night programs. And I always pull in an expert. So um, our expert for this Wednesday is Genevieve and I'll let her introduce herself.
1: Um, I'm Jenny Salland, as she said. I am currently a student teacher at Hopkins High School, um, a health teacher. Um, it's been a great experience so far. I'm on week two, so mm-hmm. we're pretty fresh, <laughs> um, but I went to, I grew up in the area. I went to Mount Oliver Church, Church, um, went to Luther College for undergrad, then I worked at Youth Frontiers for a few years, and then I was like, you know, I know my passions, I want to be in one school, so I've been in grad school the past couple years, and here I
2: am now in in the student teaching world. You know, one of the reasons
0: I we wanted to put this together for tonight was because <clears throat> when we started faith and family, we started with a conversation about generational differences, and and it and like my parents' generation learned gender in one way male and female and then i feel like i was gifted with getting to learn a different way and then i feel like the learning that i had is outdated and so i'm excited that genevieve is with us because i feel like you know as a as a teacher health would you be called a health teacher, yeah, health teacher yep you know she's literally getting like the most updated information on how we're going to teach gender and sexuality to our children mm-hmm. so um i feel like just in three or four generations things have changed so drastically mm-hmm. um and really the the idea for this class came from a grandparent in our community who just asked like said i want to i want to learn language for a non-binary world. And so here we are.
1: Um, So let's dive in. Why is it important that all of us lean in and learn about this? Um, I think obviously each of us in this room, as we've shared, have had um, or continue to have moments in your lives, relationships um, with people who do identify um, as LGBTQIA+, or queer, Um, Those things are not mutually exclusive, by the way. Someone um, could identify as LGBTQ in some way, but not consider themselves queer. Um, But I think um, it's, it's also just like, in my eyes, it is this wonderful new expansion of things that have always been there, that just now we're really trying to, like, as a society come to a collective, like understanding, um, creating room for growth um, and connection there. So this is important because it's everywhere um, and and we need to amplify voices um, who haven't been heard in the past um, so we can see and understand each other better. Um, I found this wonderful clip of um, this fantastic pediatrician who actually this talk is from October of 2020. Um, This wonderful speaker is a pediatrician who works with um, transgender youth, and um, they also identify as part of the queer community, and um, in this kind of five-minute section, they will um, address kind of like one of the common pushbacks that um, I feel like has come up or comes up when people start talking about gender, sexuality, pronouns, um, and that's just like is this trendy? Like, where did this come from? Um, When is this going to be over? Mm -hmm. I need people to just kind (laughs) of figure it out so I can be more comfortable kind Mm -hmm. of a thing. So I think they really address this well. So let's listen to this.
2: Ah, so you're thinking, I get it. This is a trend. This is a fad. This is cool. This is the next good thing. And my kid and the kid in my kid's class, and the neighbor kid, and actually, maybe even you, Dr. Gephardt. You're part of this new wave, this cool trend of being transgender and gender diverse. Hold that thought for just a second. Let's go back to those two and three and four year olds. You know, the ones I was telling you about early on, the ones who are learning about gender categories and they're grabbing at words and language for the first time to describe that to others. Do you know what else those kids are learning how to do? Do you know what else? they love to do, they are learning how to color. And they, in fact, love to color. And what if, when our two and three and four-year-olds were learning how to color, what if we reached into our pocket and we pulled out two crayons, pink and blue, and we said, draw us a picture of who you are. Draw us all who you imagine yourself to be, but we'd like you to do it with just one crayon, pink or blue. No, I'm sorry, you actually can't choose both. You have to pick one, pink or blue. Imagine all the pictures we would never see. Imagine all the vividness and color that kids could imagine themselves to be and that they see reflected back to them in the world. Imagine all that we would miss. And now imagine if we handed them this. Imagine if we handed them a box of 64 crayons, and instead of saying, pick one, we said, pick as many as you would like. Show us who you are. Tell us all the stories. Pick one for a while that's your favorite, and then pick another one, and then go back to your original favorite. If you can imagine it, then you can draw it, it is my foundational belief that we all know who we are from a very young age, including the truest expression of our gender identity. And we actually spend most of our lives searching for the words and the tools and the safety and the agency to share ourselves with the world. Queer author and activist, Leslie Feinberg said, gender is the poetry we write with the language we are taught. Gender, Is the poetry we write, the language we are taught? If we give kids the language, if we open the box of plans for us, they will tell us who they are. So no, I don't think that this is a trend or a fad. I think that this is the revealing of a truth. A truth that has always existed. And kids can't draw the truth of themselves with just one crayon child advocate Marian Wright Edelman said kids cannot become that which they cannot see and kids today are seeing more and more lgbtq folks people like me people like the actors and actresses on this screen more than ever before we are giving them a bigger box of crayons and they are actually drawing for us more imaginative pictures of what it means to be a boy or a girl or something in between, than many of us can ever remember. And so what is our job as parents, as pediatricians, as aunts, uncles, grandparents, friends, neighbors, teachers? Our job is to listen. Our job is to ask interesting questions and then listen for the answer. Who are you? What do you like? What makes you feel like you? And when kids begin to show themselves to us, we support them without steering. We reveal our own gender identities. We ask and share names and pronouns. We give them all the examples of what it means to be a boy or a girl or transgender or something in between. What I've learned in my role as a pediatrician for the last 15 years, and as a pediatrician who specializes in the care of transgender and gender diverse kids, is that. These kids don't need me to figure them out. They need me to listen, to really listen, and to help them amplify the voice that's inside them. They don't actually need me to diagnose them. They need me to help them be heard. And when these kids begin to show themselves to us, when they start down that brave journey of self-discovery, we remind them that they are beautiful and strong. And resilient. And most importantly, we love them. We fully and fiercely and wholeheartedly love them. And if we do this, our kids will draw for us the most beautiful pictures of who they are. They will write for us the beautiful poetry of their identities. And in doing this, they will expand the world of gender. And not just for them, but for all of us. Because how many of us? were given just two crayons to choose from, but longed for a bigger box. How many of us were never given the right tools or language to describe our own identities? You see, in loving and supporting transgender and gender-diverse kids, we're not only helping them be more free and true versions of themselves, we're helping all of us have the language we need to discover ourselves. Leslie Feinberg also said, my right to be me is tied with a thousand friends to your right to be you, because after all, we all deserve a bigger box of crayons. Thank
1: you. I thought that was just a great analogy of the crayons, um, and just as far as like language and behavior expectations, um, whether you know it doesn't have to do literally with colors. <laughs> I mean, it could, but. Um, it's when you're given a super limited set of options like what along the way when you're growing up and learning um or you personally is telling you nope you gotta use this you gotta fit in this mold you gotta you know um and so I think I, I just I just love that analogy um and they're really freaking smart so I wanted to share that <laughs> <laughs> um Wonderful. So one of the things that they talk about is, uh, you know, what's our role? What can we do um, as friends and family members um, of young people, just in general, whether or not, um, I would say they identify as LGBTQIA plus or not. Um, I think number one, as they said, is just listening. Um, I loved how they talked about in their role as a pediatrician, um, their job isn't to tell these kids all about themselves, right? It's to it's to listen to the kids that are are coming into the doctor's office. Like if we give people the space, like they they will tell us all about themselves, right? Um, no matter who you are. Um, and then I wrote as a little caveat, like and respond accordingly, right? So if someone who shares a different experience than you do um, is sharing something really important with you, um, and you know that you in your day to day life or in certain situations can make a shift in your language, your behavior, um, for the sake of, of all um, people in the LGBTQI plus community, um, or in any marginalized community, I would say, like it's it's our jobs to respond accordingly. Um, and that can be, that can be challenging, um, but I think that's obviously why we're all here, right? Um two, I think self-reflection is huge, just thinking about, okay, in my life, what were some points where I felt I really wanted more than one crayon and I was forced to use the one or was shown that, okay, there is a right answer here. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go this route, even though I'd rather go that route or choose a different route completely. Um, just to stick with that metaphor. Um, three, conversation. Um, Just talking to people, asking questions. Um, I think, you know, doing what we're doing tonight. (laughs) Um, And also just, I guess that's part number five, to continue learning. I think just continuing to seek information on our own. Um, I know Google can be a challenging place because it's hard to find credible sources. And you're like, who do I listen to? Um, But I do also think that there's a lot of work we can be doing on our own um as far as like oh i heard a new word today um hmm i'm not actually sure what that means i'm going to make a mental note go home google it um and kind of add that to my my mental toolbox right um and then storytelling similar to self reflection but like literal you know, reflection i think um sharing our experiences creating space for others to do that as well so our continued learning is a part of that um, i broke down just a few like as I mentioned before, I think like foundational terms, um, that, and maybe you know these already, so maybe this will be review, maybe this will be new to you, I don't want to assume anything here, um, but I figured we could just quickly go through some of these terms together. <clears throat> Folks at home, if you're following along on the doc, we are on page two, um, looking at identity foundation, starting with sex assigned at birth. Um <coughs> So these are mostly um, definitions that I found from um, a few credible sources, Trans Student Educational Resources, um, and NPR had a wonderful um, resource as well. Um, So sex assigned at birth, the assignment and classification of people as male, female, intersex, or another sex based on a combination of anatomy, hormones, and chromosomes the sex or sexes that we are assigned at birth is like a label term. Um, So sex assigned at birth is not a behavior, it's not like an internal sense of identity, it is a label of what you're assigned at birth. Um, So same sex assigned at birth can be really important um, for folks who are members of the trans community. Um, Maybe their sex changes, Um, so this is why we like to say the whole, like, sex, assigned at birth. Um, and what I think is really unique to point out here is, um, it's, it is a combination of anatomy hormones and chromosomes. So when a child is born, um, the doctor, you know, if they, if they're able to hand the child to the person who just gave birth to them, what do they usually say?
0: It's good, it's good, it's good, right.
1: Um, but what's super unique about this and I don't think um, many folks really truly really get is that it's so much more complicated than just looking at a kid's genitals like it's so different um, most of the time most of the time that is an accurate assessment um, but sometimes there are chromosomes hormones things happening internally um, that that would Show that someone is intersex um, or somewhere in between male and female. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, I also think that there's. Um, I know that there's kind of a fad of like gender reveal parties um, when someone's expecting, and that is different when we're calling it gender reveal. It's different than a sex assignment birth reveal. <laughs> so not um, sketchy. Exactly. Everybody
0: <laughs> sex. I never reveal, right? Uh-huh. Well, um, and I said, I learned what I've learned is outdated, but I would have been taught this as anatomy.
1: Right. And it's more than
0: that. And it is more than that. Yes. Yeah. Um,
1: but again, typically when a child is born, a doctor can tell, um, but that is not always accurate. Um, I don't know all the ins and outs of that, but that's just. Um, the next term, physical attraction. I um, should slash um, so or sexual orientation. Those mean the same thing. So it's simply who one is physically and or sexually attracted to. I feel like that's a pretty. are there Any questions with that one? Like that one doesn't need a whole lot of explanation. Um, emotional attraction is who someone longs to have close relationships with. So examples of emotional attraction and connection could be but are not limited to platonic or romantic relationships um so emotional attraction isn't just like you're thinking about a future partnership like a romantic partnership um it's also thinking about like who do I want to have emotional connection with in general um so I don't expect anybody to share um themselves but I'll, I'll share like I definitely long for emotional connection, platonic emotional connection um, with women. Um, a lot of my best friends identify as female. Um, and to me that's that's just really important. And I find natural, it feels natural connection to me there. Um, I also am attracted to men. Um, and so I want emotional attraction there in a romantic way, but I also have friends who identify as male, um, who I also, am emotionally attracted to in a platonic way. So, um, the next one is gender identity. So gender identity is one's internal sense of being male, female, neither of these, both or another gender. Everyone has a gender identity, including you. For transgender people, their sex assigned at birth and their own internal sense of gender identity are not the same. Six kind of common gender identities are female, woman, girl, male, man, and boy. So these are ones that we would maybe like expect, right? If we go back to what we were talking about before, the kind of expected center. Um, These are kind of what most of us have the language for. um, And so therefore most of us would kind of identify with that, right? Um, these gender identities are also not necessarily linked to each other. So gender identity can be considered a label, similar to someone's sex assigned at birth. It's like a label um, that one gives themselves. However, this is a label um, that is based on someone's internal sense of who they are, as opposed to their physical body. Although they can be linked, they don't have to be linked. Does that make sense? Um, ma, 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 ma. And then one may have many labels when it comes to um, gender identity. Often, gender identity is felt from a very early stage in life. Um, in our TED Talk, we miss this kind of chunk, but beginning around the age of two, um, children will begin to kind of show us who they are, um, and that's also kind of the point where we begin to show them who we think they should be. Um, so that's that's where that kind of starts to come into play. Um, gender identity is also something that can be fluid, can change. Um, it can be something that people choose not to put a label on necessarily, um, in what in a way that one might expect. So it's a label in the sense that um, I would say. Um, I, my gender identity, I would say is like woman or female. Um, but someone could say they're gender fluid, gender non-conforming. So it's less of like a word that someone would identify with. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and yeah, again, it can change at any point in one's lifetime. Um, if someone is feeling like maybe when they were two, um, they knew who they were and were directed a different way and then start to kind of rediscover themselves later on in life, um, that that switch can happen. Um, Also, you know, maybe someone didn't feel that when they were two, and now as an adult or a young person, they're exploring different routes, um, and they're like, oh, yeah, actually, this is my gender identity. Um, So this is something that, that can change. I heard someone
0: describe it once as like a gender landscape.
1: Mm. the landscape can change yes that's a beautiful Mm. image
0: yes even seasonally yeah you know when you think of the landscape changing for fall changing for winter changing for spring yeah that is a beautiful image
1: for sure i really like that um and then so that's gender identity gender expression or presentation is the physical manifestation of one's gender identity through clothing, hairstyle, voice. Um, it says body shape, but how they present their bodies, I guess, mm-hmm. um, et cetera. So, gender expression or presentation is super influenced um, by culture. So, um, an example here many transgender folks um, seek to make their own, uh, excuse me, seek to make their gender expression, how they look, match their gender identity, who they are they know they are, um, rather than their sex assigned at birth. So typically, and if you need to read that again, that's fine, but typically we expect someone's gender identity, their gender expression or presentation, and their sex assigned at birth to all kind of align in this perfect little duality bubble (laughs) um, that we've all been taught for so long, um, explicitly and implicitly. Uh, when in fact, it, it's, it doesn't need to be. <laughs> and for many folks, it is not um, just that duality. Yeah. Um, is this all review? Can I just went over things? Well, okay. <laughs> um, and then pronouns, which we briefly talked about in the beginning, um, but pronouns are simply how someone would like to be referred to. Um, pronouns do not necessarily align with someone's gender presentation. A line is in quotes there. Again, that's the expected pronoun, right? Based on how someone presents. Um, and it's one of those things that that we need to do our best not to assume, because by assuming someone's pronouns, we are further uh, hammering the nail in that there are only two cramps. <laughs> um, and and I would say that anytime um, someone who does maybe fit that duality, that expected duality of male, female, um, straight, right? Or someone who presents um, as female or male. Um, Anytime that they share their pronouns um, or ask someone their pronouns, even if they have, especially if they use their expected pronouns, um, that just further paves the way for it to be good and normal for everyone to share their pronouns. Because again, that is leaving space, showing that there is space for someone to share a little bit of who they are. Um, so actually today before, um, I'm dog sitting right now, this sweet little pug, her name is Kula. And um, I'm staying at my friend's house, and watching her but during the day I go to school at Hopkins and she goes to her aunt's house um Julie she's very sweet I asked her if I could share this she said yes (laughs) um and I was telling her about what we were doing tonight and she was like oh pronouns like I don't totally understand why like on an email signature for example someone writes Jenny Calland, she her my phone number email whatever." like why would you include that because if someone has something different isn't that kind of outing them like then everybody knows that they're not maybe exactly who they thought they were mm-hmm. um and what i think is unique about pronouns is similar to um gender identity so much all these things <laughs> um they can change at any time And someone would share their pronouns um, because it's how they want to be called, like what they want to be referred to. Um, And again, if we understand that pronouns don't necessarily link to someone's sexual orientation um, or their sex assigned at birth, right? um, It's not really um, seeing someone maybe uses or signing of, uh, signs an email with pronouns that we maybe wouldn't expect to fit in the binary, um, it's they, they want to be called whatever they're sharing, right? Um, and, and the only, um, thing that we can draw, only piece of information we can draw from someone sharing their pronouns is their pronouns, <laughs> because all of these things do not Need to, nor do they um, intersect with any of these other terms. They can, um, but they don't have to inform each other. So she was kind of asking, like, does that mean that if someone were to use they them pronouns, for example, that then they'd be telling everyone in the company that they're gay? And I was like, no, that's a that's you know like yeah, yeah. and and I think that just comes from the assumption that. Um, if one, if one term, one thing, one part of someone's identity is different than we expect, then that means that all these other things are super different, too. Um, and and we is, can't make that assumption,
0: which, which is, is hard. And it's funny to me because, like, if I write my tagline and then underneath of it write she, her, mm-hmm. nobody makes an assumption that I'm attracted to men.
1: Right. right. Based on a pronoun. Well, they might internally, like subconsciously, but.
0: You know, but going to be pain. like,
1: oh my god. But it's right. interesting because we live in such a binary world. Exactly. Yeah. Like, so it's a hard space I think for yeah. kids to be like mm-hmm. if, yeah. totally because people are like, what you know. Uh-huh. And it's hard because it's the world we live in. We only have two grants. We only provide two crayons yeah. for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, I think like it. It makes me excited to see that that TED Talk speaker, Mm -hmm. who is a pediatrician for trans and um, I believe they said genderqueer youth. Yeah, yeah, could be wrong saying that. But um, yeah, I mean, it's I, I point that out, and I'm glad you pointed that out to again be like it's not always just looking a kid in the face and saying no, you can't wear a pink shirt. It is all of the other societal expectations, practices, things like that that are so interwoven
0: into everything that we do. Well, and I have a lot of hope, you know, when I see the educators of the future. and And I'm pointing at Genevieve right now as I say that. But, like, when I think about, like, when my son went through his fifth grade, like, the talk that he got at school, mm-hmm. you know, he... That was That was binary. <laughs> well, yeah, it <laughs> yeah. used to be. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, it still is a lot of
0: places. Yeah. It, he must just have good teachers. He and his friends literally, like, went out onto the playground for recess and had an entire conversation around, like, Oh, yeah, I think I might be attracted to girls. I think I might be attracted to boys. I think I might be attracted to but it was it was like such a non issue mm-hmm. because of the way the teacher educated the class mm-hmm. and really just like didn't do it through a binary lens and really explored and you know at that time it was more under probably physical attraction and gender expression mm-hmm but it was presented in a non-binary way. And the kids just like swallowed it whole and went and processed it together. And,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: you know, like, and when I think about that, I have hope for the future (laughs) Mm -hmm. that we are equipping our, you know, 10 year olds and 13, 14 year olds and 24, 25 year olds Mm -hmm. to be in the world differently. And I don't think it's a trend, necessarily, as something that's going to come and go. I think it's an evolution, and that will emerge as a more whole society. like
1: A revolution. Right, yeah. Excuse me, these are not (laughs) actually, these binaries do not say who I am. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Before you walk out, let me just say, this is like my final note. Um, Yeah. I feel like Genevieve has done an amazing job presenting from an educators standpoint. Yes. But I'm also here to represent the pastor standpoint and the church standpoint and Andrew is a resource as well. And you know, we love imperfectly, but hopefully our love points to the love to the perfect love of God and we want you to know that That's we the original gender story. Right. <laughs> we want you yeah. to know that we love your children. We yeah, love you. We want to walk this journey together knowing that we will love imperfectly along the way but that you know hopefully we're pointing to a more perfect love and If you have any sort of follow-up questions, if you want any sort of pastoral care, if you just need to talk to somebody, if your kids need to talk to somebody, we are all working very hard to be a safe space for that to happen.